Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker here to tell you that the Stat Sheet Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, or fantasy advice? Well, check out Boxscore Network and follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Score Network for updates. Welcome back in, everybody, to the Stat Sheet Podcast. It is a pleasure to have all of you with us, as many of you are back with us every week. And if you're a newcomer, we welcome you in. Please stay as long as you like. Make yourself comfortable. Enjoy all that we got to cover tonight. We are going to hit some really unusual stuff concocted from the brain of Simon Short, who is with us tonight. It all comes from him. So we will Sorry, blame everybody. him or yeah. praise him for every bit of it. But I'm excited about it, really. We'll get that to, to that here at about 10, uh, 10% into the uh, episode. We've got some some pretty good news to get to as well. Roland Summers is with us, as always. We are loaded. Guys, let's get to it. Um, so much to get to. First of all, Zach Martin, Dallas Cowboys, Hall of Fame guard, gets a reworked contract, paying him $18 million in 23 and 24 and which basically is a raise of about eight and a half million dollars over those two seasons. Not entirely unexpected in, generically, but let's get into it. Simon, I'll kick it to you first. I think so. This is great. First of all, I think this is like a happy medium for everybody, which typically with contracts and trades means not everyone's 100 percent happy. So it's a fair deal. Um, this puts Martin as the third highest paid guard in the NFL. When we talked about this, I think two weeks ago. We did the little exercise with Ben, whereas, hey, over under this guy, over under this guy, we pretty much settled on if he gets to top three money, we feel pretty good about that. If I'm Zach Martin, I'm still trying to get a little bit higher. But, hey, you know what? You get top three money, you get good, good money for a guard, um, and you're on the older side than the two guys above you. I think this is great, and and the most important thing is it's done with and we can just move on and the Cowboys can can play Martin tweeted today time to go to work just uh, everyone that the ball just kind of keeps rolling so so I think this is great um for both sides and we love to see the big guys get paid uh Ronan what do you think I thought it was very well deserved I mean we're talking about a guy who's been one of the best guards in the league since he stepped into the league um yeah you gotta love seeing the big guys in the trenches getting paid uh especially whenever it's you know, a guy like Simon, you said, over a little bit over the hump uh, in terms of age, right? Mm-hmm. You know, usually, whenever uh, a guy is getting this type of paycheck, they're a little bit younger. So it's nice to see an aged vet from the offensive line getting his bag, Ben. Yeah, so much to talk about here. We'll hit it quick, though. I like this, first of all. And y'all know I come from a background, I talked about ad nauseum. Just because a good player on my team asks for more money doesn't mean I want to give it to him. I may feel like I want to trade him at that point, you know? No hard feelings. It may just be, hey, I don't like the money that you're asking for compared to us trying to win Super Bowls. But listen, Zach Martin, the Cowboys weren't going to win much without him. I mean, he's so important to that offensive mm-hmm. line. When you look at what else they've got sitting there, and they're ready to win now. They're not looking at winning two years from now, which brings us to the second part of that. They're not tied up uh, cap space-wise for four and five seasons here. It's about two seasons out. So, you know, you're hitting this kind of Dak Prescott window, and as you review it over the next season or two, you can decide if you want to prolong that window or move on. But Zach Martin is still good. 
He's still a little bit over the hump, like you said, a little bit uh, age starting to kick in. I don't think we're going to get the same Zach Martin that we had, say, four seasons ago or even three years ago. But this is a very good player. Listen, this is what should have happened. I'm going to reach back here. I think it was DeAndre Hopkins, right, with the Houston Texans five or six years ago. This is not a whole bunch more money here. You know, and a lot of times when you've got a veteran player, something just hits them and they're like, hey, I just want to be a little bit more appreciated. So you kick in a little bit more money. This is not a lot cap space wise. It's not a lot out of Jerry Jones pocket. It's just not. So there's really no reason not to do this. And uh, so so I liked it really all the way across the board here. Uh, anything else from either one of you on this one? Yeah, just that was a great point, Ben. It, it's not. I, it's not always about the amount of money. Obviously, the amount of money is important, but how easy for us is it for us to go on over the cap and just like sort by average annual value and see the ranking, right? It's the same thing for right. the players. I don't know if they're literally getting on over the cap or spot track the way we are, but they look at the list. They know who's getting paid more than them, and they're like, well, I should get more than that guy and that guy, and I'm better than that guy. So whatever that number. <laughs> we talked about the quarterback market, and we're not going to go down that road right now, but it's not about what the actual number is it's about looking at the list and saying there's where i slot in so that's whatever that number is that's what i should get so that that's a great point i love that yeah i liked it all the way across the board so all right a couple of other little bit of news and notes here a couple of running backs uh jets running back uh jet sign sorry running back dalvin cook only a one-year deal it can mm-hmm. be up 8.6 million dollars and then the Patriots pick up running back Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, it's a one-year, the three-mil base, a one-mil bonus, up to six-mil with incentives. Not big money again here, though, guys. And this just continues to pile on to why a lot of the running backs are unhappy. Ronan, I'll start with you. These are two of the – you know, listen, these aren't your fantasy leaders, but these are two good running backs, have been. And the money's just not huge. No, it's not. And these are two very well-known, um, talented running backs who are stepping into pretty full running back rooms, Ben. Um, Dalvin Cook walking into the Jets. Brees Hall had an absolute great season last year. And, you know, I, I guess you, you can make the case, you know, hopefully it's going to take some uh, tread off the tires or keep some tread on the tires uh, in Hall's case, right? So maybe this year will help his uh, help his growth instead of stunt it, right? But going from kind of the bell cow back for the Jets to probably the backup, I don't know how that's going to fare for Brees Hall, right? And then on the flip side, remember Ramondre Stevenson last year? He had himself a very good season. Um, Zeke is a little bit of a different type of running back, so I don't uh, I don't think this will mess with that too much right in turn compared to cook and hall but two kind of i i did not perceive these uh two running backs heading to these two teams simon i love it um i think this is a great fit for both teams Brees hall you mentioned yeah great rookie year but still on the pup list right now with that torn acl and whatever else whatever other ligaments he damaged last season um these things take time you know the these injuries these surgeries these knee problems you know when you're a running back i mean you and for Brees hall you've got to see what is happening with these running backs in these contracts don't rush back and have it down here don't have a saquon barkley where you're injured for two years and it hurts your effectiveness and overall ability to get a contract 
come back in week eight, man. It's fine. Dalvin Cook, he's going to – he's gonna, sorry for the pun. He's going to be cooked by then anyways, right? Like we saw Cook last year have good overall total numbers. He is still a good runner, but he doesn't have that same explosion. He doesn't have that same I – mean, well, he has the explosion on the like – the one chunk play, right? The big, the big carry, the big one, the big two, but that down to down success that he's had in the past, he just didn't have last year. Um, so this is going to be great for them. Dalvin Cook first half of the year, Brees Hall second half of the year for a team that, let's face it, is trying to win a Super Bowl is pretty good. And and Ezekiel Elliott, I'm double checking now, but I mean, he's, he, I mean, he has struggled with some fumbles in the past, but the last two years definitely down. And Ramondre Stevenson has had problems fumbling. You, you talk about, you know, Ronan, the the different style backs that they are. Ezekiel Elliott, what, he's going to have the role he had in Dallas last year. What he became was the short yardage, pass-protecting back, while Pollard was the, you know, first and long pass-catching guy. It's going to be a similar split, I think, in New England. New England always finds this vet number two that just kind of rumbles their way into some some goal line work, some short yardage work. So I think it's a great fit for for both teams and two teams that are looking to make a jump offensively from last year, Ben. I love it for both teams as well. I'll talk about the running backs here in just a second and back to the original point. But listen, if you're the Jets, you know, you're pretty loaded. Your offensive line may have some struggles, but if you've got a, a running back sitting back there who can maybe pop a couple 60-yard touchdowns this season, might win you an extra game or two, give you a bit of a jolt. Dalvin Cook can do that. And again, with those incentive-based contracts one year, what's the risk? I mean, <laughs> there's zero risk here at all. Same thing for the Patriots, although Elliott's a different player. He doesn't have that explosion, but still, you're getting a veteran guy who who, who knows how to do a lot of stuff. The, the Patriots like those kind of guys, and again, Man, no risk. I mean, it's all reward. It's no risk. If they cut him in three weeks, who cares? I mean, it, there's nothing here. So, But, again, that takes you back to the predicament of the running backs, man. You know, they're stuck on a rookie contract that doesn't pay a lot. Then they may get franchised and get that one-year boost. And then unless their name's Christian McCaffrey or somebody like that, you know, they're probably playing, playing for a series of low one-year contracts or two-year contracts. And, you know, we won't get into all that tonight, but it does show you can see it right here. Um, they're not getting dollars that they're happy with. They're kind of in a fix there, and and uh, we'll see about that going forward. But I do like it for most teams here, both the Patriots and the Jets. Ronan, anything else on the running backs, man? No, I think you guys killed it. Hit it on the head. Um, I'm excited to see how the AFC East looks this year. It's it's going to be a dogfight. I'm, I'm psyched. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, and, and Patriots, by the way, we didn't mention it, but they're a little low on skill position players anyway. So while Elliott doesn't exactly upgrade that, it kind of supports that too um, from that standpoint. Uh, a couple other quick news and notes. We won't even talk about them, but the Raiders pick up running back Damian Williams. Most people probably know him from the Chiefs. Um, Colts pick up safety Ronnie Harrison. And also Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, according to reports, is expected to join training camp this week. So stay tuned. Uh, that's not what we were hearing last week. Uh, we'll see. Stay tuned on that. All right. Uh, we've got something very special tonight. I'm actually looking very much forward to it. This is one of these really cool things that Simon came up with right before we get into nothing but hardcore business football all year long for the next several months. Um, Simon, go ahead and set the table, man. All right. So while we were doing our offseason recaps, we talked a lot about, OK, do we like this move? Maybe, maybe not. Do we think it'll translate or even matter when the regular season comes around? 
and that could be a different answer. So the premise of this show is looking at your two options, looking at your two ways of thinking and deciding which way you're going to follow. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. So as Morpheus just said, you have two options in front of you. You can either stay here in the Matrix and live your life not knowing anything, or you can take the red pill and see just how far the rabbit hole goes. And that, of course, is, okay, do you want to have your off-season brain like you're up some podcaster, some person that never has put the pads on and understands the grind, put their hand in the dirt, or... Do you want to sound like a guy who gets snugged up to the coaches and say, you know what, all these guys looking at their data and things like that. This is what happens when Sundays really come around. And that's where, what we're going to suss out today. We, we have 12 topics. We don't know if we'll get to all 12. We'll kind of just see what happens. But we're going to go through them all, kind of off-season takes that each of us has, ha has had along the way. And we're going to decide if we are going to keep our off-season brain. Um, if we're going to take the blue pill and live in the matrix of so this fantasy world, that's the off season where we can say anything we want, or we can take the red pill and say, you know what, that taking the off season didn't matter because football on Sundays is completely different. So that's what we're going to decide here today for everybody. I'm going to jump, jump us off with our first topic and is kind of the one that I use to describe, you know, the, this process, this, this idea to everybody, and here it is. So it's surrounding what was the biggest offseason topic of the year, and it was Aaron Rodgers being traded to the New York Jets. Blue pill offseason uh, brain was, okay, everybody, this hubaloo that just went into this, right, this back and forth, this, these months and months, Aaron Rodgers being on the Pat McAfee show talking about doesn't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Uh, we, we get all this who should have to pay more picks. Yada, yada, yada. Aaron Rodgers wasn't that good last year. Yada, yada, yada. You know, Zach Wilson, yada, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, guess what? It finally happened. Was all of that worth it? Were the Jets too desperate? Did they cave too early? Offseason brain. Or the Jets offense and this team are going to be really good now because they're replacing Zach Wilson with Aaron Rodgers. Red pill. Football brain. Ben, I want to kick it to you first. What are you doing, man? Are you taking the blue pill? Are you living here in the offseason where it was too much for Aaron Rodgers? Or are you taking the red pill and you're ready for this offense to be top 10? This is one reason why I'm absolutely in love with what you're doing tonight. I'm so excited about it. Because during the offseason, my stance was hardcore. What are the Jets doing, man? This is too much. This is a little ridiculous. They, they could have gone after Lamar Jackson. They could have gone after C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, fill in the blank. But no, at this point now, we're here. I'm taking the red pill, the real football brain. And I do believe the Jets offense and the team will be very good this year. As I've sat down and looked at the roster, and as I've sat down and gone through the schedule, I can't help but come up with any other conclusion myself. I think they are they look like they're set up to have a very good season. And, and it's not so much about Aaron Rodgers as we talked about. It's that defense. That's one heck of a defense that could even get better. So, you know, you add Aaron Rodgers to that and the young skill position players, 
I'm all in at this point. Uh, now, that doesn't necessarily mean Super Bowl, but I'm all in on the Jets being real good this year. Ronan? Ben, you mentioned that defense, and that defense kept the Jets in the playoff hunt throughout last year. Uh, we're talking about a team that was bottom three in total touchdowns scored last year, um, and, and they were still in the hunt. Now you're bringing in a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. Um, that you, you can almost take it to the bank that they will be top half of the league in total touchdowns. So they will not have that offensive struggle that they dealt with last year. Um, and then on top of that, right, that defense was always out there on the field because the offense was going three and out after three and out, right? Now that defense can actually take a breather, hit the oxygen mask, um, you know, maybe even have a Gatorade every once in a while. I think that this Jets team is going to be for real. Um, now, Super Bowl, you know, a little bit murky, right? But I, I think uh, AFC East championship, I, I don't think that's too far out there. Um, Simon, I'd love to get your thoughts. I'm taking the red pill. All right. This is a, this is a three for on this one. I'm taking the red pill as well, but I did bring some stats. So for you all listening at home, if you're like, what are these idiots talking about? What are they saying? Aaron Rodgers was so bad last year. I have some numbers for you. Um, among 33 quarterbacks last year with 200 plus pass attempts, Rodgers was second overall in on target percentage at 80.6%. So think of all those those overthrows, those sailed passes, those passes in the dirt that we complained all last season that Rodgers was doing intentionally to screw with those receivers. He still was on target 80% of the time. Zach Wilson was last in that category at 67.1%. Uh, conversely, bad throw percentage, Wilson was first at 25.5%. Rodgers was 21st at 14.8%. Interception percentage, Wilson was 6th at 2.9%, and Rodgers was 17th at 2.2%. Fun fact, which was the fourth highest of his whole career. Um, and finally, Zach Wilson was 6th in the league in sack percentage at over 8% compared to Rodgers, 5.57%, which was 23rd. So if you want to say Rodgers is cooked, Rodgers isn't the top three quarterback, the MVP that he was in 2020, 2021, that's fine. I mean, at worst, I think you can say 11th or 12th. I'm somewhere in the, the seven to nine range. I don't know. But all these stats, these hugely staggeringly different ends of the statistical categories that I just mentioned, it's just about giving your team a chance. Right. Just a chance. Not, I'm not even speaking to the ability of Rodgers versus Wilson. I'm talking about throwing the ball to a receiver in a place he can catch it. I'm talking about not taking a sack, which is a drive killer, not throwing an interception, which is literally a drive killer. Just giving those skill guys a chance to convert. And we talked about how talented they are and then helping out that defense as well, because if you don't take sacks, you're not punting as much. If you don't throw interceptions, you're not putting them in bad positions. If you're converting first downs and getting touchdowns, that helps the defense a lot. Um, so those are just some numbers for you guys. I'm going red pill as well. I think the the Jets and Aaron Rodgers are going to be pretty darn good this season. Ronan, how about you take us to the next topic that you're most interested in diving into? We're going to keep it on the quarterback conversation because earlier this offseason, guys, there was a, a storyline that me personally, it might have been my favorite one. Um, and it was the Lamar Jackson saga, right? Was he going to stay in Baltimore? Was he going to get traded? Was he going to sit out? Um, now, there were two two ways of thinking, right? And, you know, maybe a couple more, but it was split down the line. 
there were the ones who, you know, may may take the blue pill, right? And they might be thinking that the Ravens needed to do whatever they had to do to keep Lamar, right? Whatever Lamar was asking, give it to him. Which, you know, is a little bit controversial because on the flip side, uh, those who would be taking the red pill, they acknowledge the fact that the Ravens have 18 wins in the last two seasons and Lamar has missed five games in each of those seasons. So he hasn't necessarily been the most reliable guy on the field or at least health wise. Now, whenever he is out on the, there on the field, he is pretty reliable. Um, he's electric. So guys, uh, Ben, I'll go ahead and start with you. I'd love to get your thoughts on the Lamar Jackson situation. Which pill are you taking? This one was tight for me, honestly. I almost wish I could take half a pill each, to be honest, but that's not the way we're playing this game. Uh, so anyway, um, I, I would still end up on the side of the Ravens needed to do this. I was totally comfortable with them giving him a ton of money. Um, I really did not – I was never on board with them guaranteeing a large – you know, all of that. But, listen, they, he's going to be tough to replace. Could they have come up with a wins above replacement kind of a guy that was average and take them that money and spread it around the roster. They sure could have. And, and, you know, there's a different way to do things. And I, you know, if I felt good about my job security as a general manager, I would definitely have considered trading him last off season, not this off season last year. But at the end of the day, having come all this way through it, I really wanted them to bring him back in, give him a lot of money, make him feel good. And I still don't think they're done with that job. I still think they need to kind of keep working with him making him feel valued uh, as, as part of that, because he's not going to forget what he went through over the past year and a half. He says not, and nor should he. But I, I really was 100% okay with this. So blue pill still for me, I thought they really needed to do this. Simon? Yeah, this one is going to be pretty short and simple for me. Blue pill as well. From 2019 to 2022, the Ravens are fourth in wins, fifth in points scored, and third in points differ- point differential. They are sixth and third down conversion percentage and 10th in yards per offensive play. Now you can find a lot of stats out there that are saying that not are saying that are indicating how Lamar is maybe just an average passer of the football. Sure. You can do that, but there's no denying that Lamar Jackson is the Ravens offense and has been since 2019. And what these stats are showing us is that this is a top 10 offense because of Lamar Jackson. And we know the struggles they've had on the offensive line. We know the struggles they've had with running back injuries, wide receiver talent and injuries, the lack of creativity in the offensive game plan. All that being said, and the injuries that Lamar has sustained himself and all that being said, it's a top 10 offense because of Lamar. uh, And you just can't beat that. You can't take a risk on that. So blue pill, easy one for me. Ronan, what about you? Plain sweet for blue pill. Uh, I've been team pay the man since the beginning. (laughs) I'd hate to see what a Baltimore offense would look like without Lamar. Um, Ben, whenever you were talking about getting some middle of the road quarterback who can just do the job and spending the money, you know, just all around the team, that sounds like nightmare fuel. Um, I'm I'm team pay the man. He's electric. He wins you games. Uh, Blue pill all the way. Ben, let's kick it to you. Where are we headed now? Let's go to Washington, D.C. and talk about uh, the commanders, okay? Um, so, blue pill would be this, offseason. Dan Snyder being out for the commanders is such a boost to the franchise. It's wonderful. It's perfect. It needed to happen. It's party time. You know, let's celebrate for five years, right? 
And then the regular season gets here, and some people think, and this is the red field, the real football brain, is, oh, wait, uh, we might be a bottom five team in the league this year because our offensive line isn't very good. And even though the secondary has a lot of good pieces, some of them don't necessarily match up. And, oh, wait, Ron Rivera is still our coach, and not everybody likes him. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. So, anyway, those are the two peels. Blue peel is, hey, let's just celebrate the party that Dan Snyder is gone. Red peel is, well, we might not be very good this year. So, um, Simon, I'm going to send this one to you first, man. This was my hardest one, guys. This is the one I overthought through and through because, you know, I'm the one that's saying it doesn't matter if the commanders are a bottom five team. It does not matter if they're the worst team in the NFL. It does not matter what happens on the field because of the Dan Snyder sell. But this is kind of the epitome of the red pill, blue pill, right? If you're living in the matrix, it doesn't matter what's happening in the real world. You can you can live in that all day long you want. But, man, if you want to know what's really going on. Uh, commanders are going to be pretty bad. I mean, like, you know, you go through it, it, it's hard to find a situation where they're not going to be. Now, I kind of regret writing down bottom five team because that's a real pigeonhole to put yourself in. So I, I did some deep dives into what makes a bottom five team. Um, let's look back at what the commanders have been since Ron Rivera has been in town. They've won seven games, seven games, and eight games, respectively, in the three years. By DVOA in 2020, they were 16th overall. 32nd on offense and third on defense um, to net them at complete average. So that's hilarious. 2021, they were 22nd in DVOA, 21st offense, 27th defense. 2022, last season, 22nd DVOA, 28th on offense, and 9th on defense. I do think this is going to be a bottom five to seven offense, and those teams are pretty much always at the bottom of the barrel in the league. Unless they have a top 10 defense, which, you know, the commanders were one of those teams last year, the Jets and the Patriots as well. Looking at my still kind of early, but not as early as I wish defensive rankings, I could see the commanders falling anywhere from like six to 17th. Um, that middle of the pack defense, the not not elite guys, but the not bad teams, they're all kind of bunched in. And we've seen the commanders, I just said it, twice finish in the top 10. And then once finished at 27th in the league by DVOA in Ron Rivera's time, we could definitely see some defensive regression again this season. So it's it's really hard. I, I see the regression. I see the possibility of it. It's a wide range that they could fall into. Not a lot of teams last year were at the bottom of offense and slightly above average defense. So if we're talking they're the 27th offense and the like 15, you know, 14th or 13th ranked defense. The best comparisons last year were the Colts, who were 32nd overall in DVOA, 32nd on offense, 14th on defense, or the Rams. Sorry, Ronan, 24th overall, 23rd on offense, 18th on defense. So maybe bottom five is a bit of a stretch. They probably won't be quite that bad. But there is a there is a world out there, and probably more than one, where this team hits a slight regression on defense. They finish like 15th in the NFL with a 28th or 29th ranked offense, and they're picking Marvin Harrison Jr. in the first round or they're they're you know doing something. Um so I'm gonna all that being said, I'm just gonna take the red pill. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on it. I think they're gonna be a bad team this year. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. But they are going to be a bad team and that's the reality of it. Uh Ronan, what do you say? I'm going to err on the side of optimism, Simon. Um you look you. at I, I think the timing in Washington could not be better. 
Uh, Snyder obviously heading out, which I, at any point, if he was heading out, it would have been the perfect time. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you bring in an offensive coordinator like Bienemy, right? You have some juice on that offensive staff or on the in the skill position groups. Uh, the offensive line is a question mark, right? But I, I think that there is something there and there is something to be excited about. And whenever you think of a boost for the franchise, right, we just need a breath of fresh air. And I think that's exactly what Washington's getting right now. And I don't know if they're going to be, you know, making a, some playoff push. But I, I think that defense is respectable enough. I think that offense can surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, it, will it be a quick rebuild? Probably not, right? But were they ever going to be anywhere with Snyder at the top of the organization? No. So this is the first step towards the rest of your life, Washington. I'm taking the blue pill. Ben? Yeah, for me, this was an easy one. And y'all have covered so much stuff. So let me just jabber through some of it. And I'll tell you what, what pill I'm going to take here. Uh, first of all, I'm a little bit higher on the commanders than, than I think Simon was, but not by a lot. Number one, let's look at that defense. I have heard some people talk about, hey, a championship defense sitting here for the commanders, and I don't see it. I know they had a good year last year. I don't see a championship defense sitting here. And Simon, I'm with you on the regression thing. I do think they dial it back a little bit. I don't think they're not going to be bad. They're still going to be good. But mm -hmm. I, I don't see it. When I look at the other defenses out there in the league this year, I don't see a top eight, top ten kind of defense myself personally. Just a good, solid defense, I think. The offense has a lot of skill position players. I think Howell maybe makes enough plays during the year just kind of running around to at least score some points, but there's no question there are going to be other weeks where they really do struggle to score points. Every scenario I've put together has them coming around five to seven wins, so I don't have them bottom five. But here's where I'm going to take my pill. I don't care if they go 0-17 this year. And Simon, you really kind of alluded to this. I don't care. Matter of fact, I almost don't care. I kind of care. But if they have two bad years in a row, I almost don't care, Okay. All I'm wanting for the next two seasons is you keep making the roster a little bit better and you celebrate the fact that the, the big bad beast is gone or the little beast, whatever we want to call him, he's out. It needed to happen years and years ago. There just wasn't a way to make it happen, but it needed to. Um, get a nice name that excites everybody instead of boring everybody to tears. At least get something figured out on the stadium, even if it's not in place. Get Make progress on that. Um, and just keep having a party where you feel good. So I'm all over this blue pill here. There's no question about it. Snyder being gone for the commanders is a huge deal. I don't think they're going to be flirting down there with 0-17. They're not that bad. But he, listen, even if they struggle for the next couple of years, and by the way, whenever they decide to let Ron Rivera go, go ahead and get another head coach in there, whether it's be enemy, give him the reins, or whether you get somebody else in there, just a fresh face, I don't care. Just keep letting the party roll on. Feel good for a couple of years and then start putting together some Super Bowl hopes. So that's where I'm at. And uh, I feel great about that. That was an easy one for me, really. Anybody else with anything on these two, Simon? Yeah, I want to, I want to, since we finally had a disagreement here, I, I think it warrants a little bit of conversation. I think, I think it would be blue pill all day if there was already a new coach in place. Right, which I understand why you didn't do it with so much other change. You needed someone to be a face of this transition. This isn't me saying that anything that they've done is wrong, but there's a guy who there's multiple people whose job is still going to be on the line if this team isn't a playoff competitive type team, right? Ron Rivera, whether he's positioning himself to try and be in the front office or not, 
if he doesn't have success this year, like he's going to be out of a job. And what does that mean for Jack Del Rio? What does that mean for Eric Bieniemy? right? If he doesn't produce, you know, if he produced a bottom five offense and they brought him here to fix the offense, well, what does that mean for him? You know, what does it mean for Sam Howell as a fifth round pick? If he doesn't produce and have a good season, if he leads one of the worst offenses in the league, it's benched for Jacoby Brissett. Is he going to get another chance? What does it mean for any of these guys, right? What does it mean for Chase Young this season? If they're a bad team, they regress defensively. He has another down year, and now he's on the open market next year. I think there's a lot of guys. Well, you know, again, and this is this is the exercise, right? Blue pill is podcaster off season type brain, in which I'm fully in on. Red pill, hey, football season's right around the corner, man. And these guys got real, real stuff on the line. So that's that's where I'm at with that. Does anybody want to jump back in on on the commanders or anything? Yeah, I mean, everything you just said is true. And still, as a fan or as a sideliner, I don't care. <laughs> like, for me, I'm just going <laughs> to celebrate for the next year and a half. Yes, uh, that's for them to worry about. You know, they can figure out their own thing. <laughs> but you're, you're 100% right on all of that. Listeners, if you think Ben and Ronan's seat on this podcast should also be tied <laughs> to the commanders and where they finish, yes. and we want to we red pill them. We want to make put a little, <laughs> little bit at stake. Just uh, just go. just DM us. Just just hit us up. The stat sheet pod. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Rona wants to know how he got a stray shot out of all this. He was being yeah, nice. I mean, I, I've just been chilling out, <laughs> he, man. Letting y'all do your thing. <laughs> Listen, he took the blue pill. He took. He he might have taken two. He's a little bit quiet, but you know, um, we're 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 good, man. It's all good. Just 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 thought. If anybody wants to chime in uh, on the on the airwaves out there, um, all right. Is it my turn for the next one here? Yes, yeah, it is. Do you guys want a mean one or do you want a nice one? I thought that was a nice one, so let's go straight to a mean one. I like that. All right. All right. Here we go. We've talked about this team already today, and we've talked about something that's along with this topic. The New England Patriots. We were all really excited. Well, I was really excited. I won't speak for everybody. Because the Patriots really helped themselves in bringing Bill O'Brien in for Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. Just a just a fantastic move. Go from bad to average. Get a real offensive play caller, a guy who's actually designed and implemented and run an offense and taught an offense before to be your offensive coordinator. Sounds like a great idea, right? It's going to help this team vastly. It's going to help Mac Jones incredibly. It's going to make this team respectable again. Blue pill. However, now we pull up the depth charts and we actually start looking at what's going on here. And the Patriots offense, you know, namely Mac Jones, is still lacking in the talent department. Basically, how much better can this offense be? Is Bill O'Brien the savior? Is he going to make this another at least above average offense? Or is the talent actually going to win out or lose out, I should say, and hold this offense back? Ronan, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts on the Patriots offense and what Bill O'Brien is going to do for them? I mightily struggled with this one, Simon. Um, whenever you think back to Mac Jones' rookie year, uh, he, he was pretty impressive. And I I think we can see that version of him again and potentially even a better version of that. Um, now, obviously, last year he, he regressed. But as you've mentioned, Matt Patricia was the one calling the shots, and that's just not a, an ideal situation for any quarterback, let alone a young quarterback who 
you know, isn't necessarily the most talented whenever it comes to his feet or his, uh, you know, uh, arm strength. You can go down the line. Mac Jones is kind of, and we might get to uh, this topic later, he's kind of a, a Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Um, he, he just kind of does everything to the extent of what which you ask and doesn't really exceed those those expectations. With that being said, I, I think the guys that they brought in, um, Juju, Zeke, and Bill O'Brien, I think that's actually going to help him out. And I can see this Patriots offense, you know, I'm not top 10 really, but top half of the league, right? Maybe that fringe 9-10 offense, which that might be pushing it really. But I, I think it has the upside of top half of the league with that talent that uh, we're, we're a little bit question, questioning. I'm taking the blue pill, Ben. How about you? Listen, I, I'm going to indicate it before I even say it. I, six weeks ago, I, I would have taken the blue pill, okay? There's no question about it. I love bringing Bill O'Brien in here to this offense. I just absolutely love it. It's what needed to happen. But the more I've looked at this Patriots uh, roster here in the offseason, I just see I see limitations. I see limitations at quarterback. I see limitations at tight end, limitations at offensive line, limitations at wide receiver. I don't see bad, but I see limitations. And then – then I look around at the rest of the AFC, <laughs> man, I'm like, good gosh. I, you know, you, if you're the Patriots, you might have a decent offense and still get blown out in some of these games because these other teams can just score so many more points than you. So ultimately, even though I love the Bill O'Brien hiring, I'm taking the red field pretty decidedly here because I just think the offense is limited. I, I don't think they're going to be bad. I don't think they're going to look ugly. I just think limited. And you say, well, the Patriots have a good defense. They do. But, man, there's a lot of good defenses in the AFC who are either just as good as the Patriots or even better. And so, you know, I still think they I, – I, I've mentioned this before. I still feel like Bill Belichick is kind of building the offense as if he had Tom Brady at quarterback, and he doesn't anymore. So now all of a sudden he does need some talent wide receiver, and he does need somebody who's a standout at, at, at O-line. He can't just do the plug-and-play pieces anymore because Brady kind of masterminded all of that, you know, from one game to the next. Hey, let's just switch things around a little bit to surprise everybody and, and and we'll come out ahead. You know, he doesn't have Brady there anymore, so he needs the talent. He hasn't really been trying to get a whole lot of talent on offense in a long, long time, and uh, that's what I'm seeing. So, for me, red pill for the Patriots. Simon, break the time, man. Changed my mind a couple times on this one, even just as we were talking. I was looking back at my notes, and I realized that I had one color written, but shaded in the opposite color. So that's really how indecisive I've been on this. I want to throw some stats at you guys that I, I think will help me in one direction or another. Um, so in 2022, the Patriots are obviously one of the worst offenses in the league. They were 24th in offensive DVOA, 23rd through the air, 21st on the ground. Compare that to 2021, Mac Jones' rookie year, Josh McDaniels was the OC. They were ninth in offensive DVOA, 10th through the air, 7th on the ground. Skill position players with the most snaps then were Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, and Damian Harris. They still have uh, Henry and Bourne. They have Ramondre Stevenson, Juju in place of Myers, Thornton or Demario Douglas, who's apparently uh, really impressing at camp to replace Aguilar as kind of that deep threat and add Devontae Parker. So basically the skill players are essentially 
just as good as they were then. So, and, and I've made my thoughts on Josh McDaniels pretty clear in, in on this podcast. So all of that was leading me to say blue pill and be like, look, this thing can get right back on course with a real offensive coordinator. But I have two big questions, and I think I think I'm gonna lean red pill because of them. The real question is first: Did last year break the Bill Belichick and Mac Jones relationship? Part of me wants to say no because hey, they kicked Patricia out and kept Mac Jones, so it's probably okay. But that first hint of things going wrong is how is Mac Jones going to react? But here's the here's the main thing when I, when I think about. Where's the line on this, right? What's success? What is, what would really indicate that things are a lot better? Because I think Ben's point was the best one we've made. And it's just that, yeah, maybe they can get back to what they were in 2021, but so many other teams have surpassed what that level was. Going back to 2021, teams that were outside of the top, even 15 in offensive DVOA that are clear top 10 teams now. Cincinnati, probably Baltimore, uh, Miami, the Jets, the Lions, and the Jaguars. That was six teams that were outside the top 15 that are all now top 10 offenses. So it depends where you put your line for this on, hey, what is, what's vastly help the Patriots offense? I think they're going to look more organized. I think it's going to make more sense. But at the end of the day, Bill O'Brien's not going to make this a, a top 10 or, or close to offense. So... I guess that means I'm taking the red pill. I think they're going to be somewhere around average. And yeah, that's just that's just not good enough, especially in the AFC, especially in the division where you have three teams that are all going to be in the top 10 in offensive DVOA and aren't slouches on defense either. So I am going to be on Ben's side here and I'm going to take the red pill. Uh Ronan, do you have do you have defend yourself? Do you have any 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 say anything to say for yourself? Yeah, uh, now I don't necessarily know if this offense is going to be powerful enough for playoff contention and, like you said, to be, you know, keeping up with these other loaded AFC offenses, right? But, you know, whenever we're looking at the growth of the Patriots, um, I I think this offense will take significant steps from last year. Um, So, yeah, and I actually had – myself going with the red pill before this and and then as we were sitting here i was like you know what no screw that i, I think I'm, I'm taking the blue pill because uh so you know what i, I hear you I, i'm not gonna you know stake my flag into the ground too much here because uh a little bit on the fence but i'm gonna go ahead and uh control the narrative here we're gonna go to denver colorado where um a guy by the name of nathaniel hackett Got shipped out last year, right? And it was a crapshoot. It did not go well. Um, a lot of people going into last season thought it was a match made in heaven. It was not. Um, so let's go ahead and look at the pills here, right? You've got the blue pill, where Sean Payton, who was the former coach of the New Orleans Saints, if you didn't know that, Super Bowl winning head coach, he steps into Denver and he is a huge upgrade over Nathaniel Hackett, um, which you could definitely make a case for. But on the flip side, you have the red pill, where Russell Wilson showed last season that he's he might be over the hill. Um, it was not a great showing. The Broncos gave up a lot to get him, and 
at least last year, it did not pay off. So, Simon, I'm going to go ahead and kick it to you first. Where do you stand on the Broncos' pills? Well, listen, man, first off, in Colorado, you got to be real careful with what, <laughs> what you take um, when you get there. But let's let's dive in to some statistics here I've got. So looking back at 2021, when Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill were the starting quarterbacks for a combined 12 games for the Saints and Sean Payton in his last year with the team, the Saints were 9-3, and three and they had an 18-8 to eight touchdown to interception ratio. On the year, they were the 18th-ranked offense per DVOA, and that's with Trevor Simeon and Ian Book getting combined five games as the starters. Jameis was on pace for the 12th-best DYAR just behind Josh Allen and 10th-best DVOA just behind Matt Stafford, who won the championship in 2021, should everybody remember. In 2019, which was the last time Jameis was a starter before Peyton, he was in Tampa, and he was 23rd and 24th in those two categories. So we're talking bottom third in the league to top 12, all right? Last year, Russell Wilson was 29th and 28th in those categories and uh, and, and was 29th in offensive DVOA compared to the year before when he was 15th and 12th for Seattle, all right? So we're talking again, a guy who just two years ago in Seattle with his broken finger uh, was basically an average quarterback and then toppled down to bottom of the barrel for who? You mentioned it, Nate Hackett, when he got to Denver. I don't think Russ is a top five quarterback anymore, but giving an aging, declining, and probably just slightly above average quarterback a terrible offense, you get last year's results. The Broncos have a better offensive line now, better scheme, better direction, and that all comes from Sean Payton. And I think he's going to have this offense much closer to average than Nate Hackett did last year. So I am taking the blue pill I am on the Sean Payton train, even if he um, breaks the coaching code uh, in media sessions. Ben, where are you headed with Sean Payton and the Broncos? I'm on the blue pill as well here, and and there's so many different things we can cover. I'll, I'll cover them real quick, which you already did a lot of it as well. But I, I'm not necessarily thinking that the Broncos are a Super Bowl threat. We'll get into more of that over the next few weeks as we do our official predictions. But I, I do believe – that Sean Payton will come in and stabilize everything. He will improve everything. He will organize everything. He may ruffle a few feathers on the way in, but that'll happen sometimes. I And I don't think that Russell Wilson is just flat out over the hill. Now, I don't think we're going to get the guy that we had, you know, MVP kind of caliber seasons anymore. I, I don't see that. But what I really think is the bigger problem than age is focus. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to question work ethic, work ethic here. He just has such an active life outside of football, man. And I, I still feel like that that's probably hindering his focus and his dedication to some degree. I'm not trying to criticize Wilson on that, but I think that's probably what's kicking in as much as anything, along with maybe losing a step in terms of age. So I'm taking the blue pill here. I think Sean Payton is a big upgrade. And I'm not even trying to bash Hackett. Listen, the guy gets one season. He didn't do a good job with it. You know, what would he have done with three seasons? We'll never know. Um, I'm not trying to destroy him, but I do believe in Sean Payton here coming on and making everything stable and competitive and maybe even more. Ronan? Ben, you're speaking my language. Um, I think Sean Payton's going to go in there and be a significant upgrade from Nate Hackett uh, for all the reasons you guys said, from the scheme to the fact that he can speak to a quarterback and 
you know, hopefully alleviate some of the, I mean, Russell Wilson went through in terms of what NFL quarterbacks go through a pretty traumatic season last year. Um, whenever you talk about, you know, who he's been before last year and then the play on the field and then all the stuff that was off of the field, uh, it, it was a bad deal for us. And I, I think Sean Payton is probably the best coach that you can bring in at least the, of the available ones and maybe uh, at least top five, just in general, to come into that situation and to help out Russ. Um, I, I don't think Russ is that same guy like you guys have been saying. Uh, he's he's obviously getting up there in age. He's not that uh, most as mobile uh, as he was in years prior. But I, I I think we can see a much 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 better version of Russell Wilson um, going into last year. I had I believe whenever I hopped on. Simon, I think it was your podcast um, for the quarterback mm-hmm. rankings. Mm-hmm. I had Russell Wilson at five. Um, and you know what? Uh, I, I'm i not going to say he's top five anymore, but I, I'm, I'm not going to fade him. I'm going to hold out for him. He's got Sean Payton. He's got quality receivers. Simon, like you said, he's got a revamped offensive line. I'm taking the blue pill. So, Ben, I, I think that uh, – Unless you have anything else for the Denver Denver Broncos, it's all yours. All right, let's do another one here. This is one I that I find fascinating because I, I think I'm probably the minority on this, so maybe I'll write the minority opinion when we're done here. But uh, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, blue pill. The Bucs are giving up on the season because Baker Mayfield is their quarterback, and he's not very good, okay? Um, the red pill would be real football brain. Uh, the defense and the receivers will keep them respectable. Uh, Simon, I'm going to let you start this one, man. What you taking here on the Bucks? So I'm taking the blue pill. I'm going to come out and say it. I am taking the blue pill. I, I and Let me just go ahead and make the quick argument for the red pill because we all know it. The Bucks were a bad offense last year, and they still managed to be 9-8. Nine, and eight, nine and eight. Why can't they do it again? The defense is intact. They had the worst run game in the league last season, 30th in DVOA, 32nd in yards per game in a year where their offensive line was injured and a mess. In 2021, they were fifth in DVOA. So maybe some positive regression. They can get back closer to that fifth because we think their offensive line is a little bit better, a little bit healthier. And by the way, Tom Brady behind that offensive line did not want to get hit, and he wasn't really moving around all that much. Baker can scramble and extend plays might not work out but he can do that so even if the offensive line is bad got a guy that can move around back there and is willing to get hit so it could be okay right here to tell you that you're wrong because if you isolate just the quarterback play you separate them from the total the totality of the offense you see two very different stories between tom brady and baker mayfield which saying it out loud sounds silly because that should be pretty obvious, but we think back to that Bucks offense last year, and all you need to know is Byron Leftwich got fired. He was supposed to be a head coach last year, and the offense was so bad instead he got fired. Um, Tom Brady was third in DYAR, eighth in DVOA, and second in yards and effective yards thrown for in the league last season. Baker Mayfield, 32nd, 32nd. 28th and 29th in those respective categories. So basically all you're doing is taking an average to bad offense. They were 15th in yards per game, 25th in points per game, 16th in DVOA last season, and replace 
basically a top eight quarterback last year with essentially the worst one in the league. I'm taking the blue pill all day. I think this team is is headed off of a cliff. I think Tom Brady was holding this thing together by the few fake strands of hair that were kind of sitting on top of his head there. Um, I, I think this is going to go bad for the Bucs. So I'm going blue pill. Ronan, what do you think? Simon, I, I've I've been trying to find a way to spin this in, in a positive light, right? Maybe, maybe I can convince myself to take the red pill, but I think I'm right there with you. Um, whenever you just look at the division that they're in, right, the NFC South, um, all those other teams, I, I think you can argue, have either equivalent or better rosters. Um, and the Bucks probably have the worst quarterback in the division. Uh, I mean, it might be to be determined how Bryce Young pans out, right? But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I can see a world where you know Baker kind of keeps the ship afloat, no pun intended. Um, with you know Godwin and Evans and that defense, but gosh, dude, it, it was just it didn't work out last year, right? And it had they had Tom Brady. Um. And then, like you said, you, you replaced Tom Brady with Baker Mayfield. I'm taking the blue pill, Ben. I don't think I can stomach the red one. <laughs> yeah, I can, though. Um, I can take the red one. And I knew I was going to be on this spot, so that's okay. So let me go ahead and just trot out my my arguments that I know that you guys will just trot on because you already have, and that's fine. All right? So, um, listen, the Buccaneers are not going to be a playoff team this year. All right. Let, let's start with that. But I, I think there's a lot of optimism in Atlanta and Carolina that may be a little bit early. It might be a year or two too early for them to be that good to just kick the Buccaneers around. Now, I, I do think the Buccaneers are the fourth team in the division, but I don't think it's by a long shot. I definitely think they can win any game that they play against the Panthers or the Falcons just to begin with. And I think that, listen, uh, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I don't, I'm not as high on the Falcons defense as you guys are. While I like the Panthers roster, I don't think it's drastically better than the Buccaneers roster. That defense is largely intact. They, it's not a Super Bowl defense anymore. We know that, but it's still largely intact from what it was last year. The offensive line, while it has a couple of holes, still has a couple of good pieces. That still makes it better than a lot of the offensive lines in the league. And Baker Mayfield, listen, he's not good, but he can run around and make plays. And there are enough games on the schedule to where they can at least be competitive. And I competitive for me is somewhere around six or seven wins. I don't think they get any higher than that, but they're not down in the three or four win category, I don't think. That roster, I think, is just too good. We saw Baker Mayfield last year. Again, it was just a couple of games, but he can still do it sometimes. Now, there are going to be weeks where this offense looks dreadful, and they're not even going to have a chance. They're going to get run out of the building, okay? That's probably six, seven games on the schedule where that's going to happen. But the rest of the schedule, they can be very competitive with. And so I do think that, you know, on the whole, they're going to be somewhere around five, six, seven victories. I'll take the red peel if that qualifies. Um, and, and I think that's where I'll land that right there. My only and last point on that is Baker's on his fourth team in 13 months. Yeesh. Yes, yes he is. It's tough. It's tough. Um, all right, tough. guys. I, I think I am next up to pick a topic. But wait, wait. Do you, do you guys hear that? What? What's that? Is that? Are those ads for other BoxScore Network podcasts?
What's up, everyone? I'm here to tell you about the Simon Short Podcast. Every Thursday, I deep dive topics related to the NFL, pro hoops, pop culture, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the Simon Short Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Connor. I'm Billy. And I'm Austin. And we're the host of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. We talk about all things sports ranging from golf, baseball, football, NBA, and all college sports. Come give us a listen and make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Tricky Takes. And that's Tricky with two eyes. Whew. Okay, we, we got away. The payphone rang. We answered it in time. The ads didn't get us, but they'll probably be back. So everyone, everyone, keep your eyes and ears open for those those pesky ads coming through. Um, all right, I am up next, uh, and, and I'm gonna do one that's very near and dear to my heart, and it's the Miami Dolphins and their offensive line. Off season take blue pill: the Dolphins didn't do enough to improve their offensive line. Red pill: the offense is good enough even without a good offensive line. Ben, I'm going to kick it to you. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, but I'm taking the blue pill. The Dolphins did not do enough to improve the offensive line. Listen, there are going to be weeks where they're going to look just fantastic on offense. I, I'm convinced of that, but I don't think that's going to characterize their season. I, I'm still, I still figure at some point Tua has some sort of an injury problem somewhere, somehow, some way. It may not even be something he had last year. It might be something different. But he tends to be on the fragile side, unfortunately. That's just too bad for a team that I don't think did enough on the offensive line. Now, we mentioned that they, you know, they did add. They did try. I don't think it's enough, though. Even Taron Armstead is going to be out some games at some point. We, we kind of expect that. We, we talked about that for two offseasons now. So I think you add to that, though, probably my impression, that Jalen Ramsey is going to be out for a long time. The AFC is brutal. And now that I'm going through my scheduling here, trying to make my official picks, I'm realizing the Dolphins, even though they have a lot of promise, a lot of top-end players, man, they sure could have used some offensive line help to kind of support some of that. So that's where I'm coming out. And, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to say it's disaster for the Dolphins or that they would have been a Super Bowl team, Super Bowl lock had they done it. They should have done more. They just, they just didn't do enough. That's where I'll come out at, blue pill for the Dolphins. Should they have done more? Yes, right? But when healthy last year, right? Tua on the field, that Dolphins offense, Tyree, Waddle, that running game, it, it, would, it was electric, guys. And that was with that kind of bummy offensive line. It wasn't that impressive. And I still think it can – be just as electric, if not more. Uh, if Tua's on the field all season long, we could be seeing fireworks, guys. I'm taking the red pill on this one. Um, now, obviously, they could have done more, but I I don't think it's going to be too, too, too heavily influenced on how their season ends. Um, I don't think – right. They, they drafted the running back with their second pick, I believe. If they would if they would have taken an offensive lineman there, I don't think the the trajectory of their season changes. So I'm going red pill, Simon. We'll feel differently when uh, Austin Jackson gives up a big sack and and to a knock on wood, don't want this to happen, gets hurt or Eichenberg falls backward onto him or something like that. Um, 
listen, I get I get the red pill arguments why it's on here. Miami was seventh in offensive DVOA last year with this same group with two of missing all the games he missed. They did bring in Isaiah Wynn, a move that we, you know, applauded. And to my knowledge, even to this point, he's not running with the first team yet, but just <laughs> give it three or four weeks, buddy. He's going to be that starting right tackle. There's no doubt about it. But to Ben's point, if, when, if and when Teron Armstead has to miss a couple games, you move Win over to the left side and Austin Jackson has to come back in? Like, is that what you want? Here's where it comes down to, and here's why I ended up taking the blue pill for this. It's because they still even now have the ability to do more. I get that teams like to save cap space for in the season to to put guys on and off IR. We talked about this last week. Um but the Dolphins are 10th in cap space right now. They have $16 million in cap, and there's still even a couple dudes that are out there right now that they're not giving a look to. Um, if they're going for if they're trying to win a Super Bowl, if they're giving Tua his $20-plus million fifth-year option, you got to protect him. You got to do everything you can. A small example. I'm not saying you have to swing big. I'm not saying you have to go out and get the highest-priced offensive lineman. But like Nate Herbig, who's a guard on the Steelers right now, he's better than Liam Eikenberg just right now, just straight up. And he got $4 million from Pittsburgh to be the backup. Your Gabe Jackson is out there. Roger Saffold is out there. Dalton Reisner is out there. You're telling me all those, and, and look, they didn't spend big, big in free agency this year, but they gave Dan Feeney, career backup at guard, $3.25 million to be the backup. You tell me you couldn't have upped that price to five and gotten one of these other guys in? It would. It just would have been too easy to to do something else. And if I want to put my red pill coach's hat on, and in the real world say, why didn't I just go and get another good offensive lineman for five million bucks? That's just an oversight. That's an oversight. So I'm going to go with the blue pill here. I I think their offense will be pretty good. Not not even pretty good. I think it will be good. But there was no reason to not help this offensive line and the risk is not worth you know what you know the the extra couple million bucks that you could have spent on this offensive line so um i'm gonna i'm gonna take the blue pill because i do think it's going to be worse than it was last year because by the way that run game only netted out 16th and dvoa offensively and you're talking about you know yeah putting devon a chain in there but you know he's smaller he's not mostert or wilson a little build if he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage is going to be the same that's a whole nother thing getting into, you know, what a chain is going to bring this year, but yeah, I'm taking the blue pill here. I think, I think they needed to do more. I think they're going to regret it. Um, anything else here on the dolphins for you guys? All right, Ronan, take us to our next topic. All right, guys. Uh, I brought up Kyle Shanahan earlier, so let's go ahead and talk about the San Francisco 49ers and their quarterback situation. Um, now, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, 49ers can kind of kick it with anyone at quarterback. It, it well, I, I guess it's to be determined. Um, I guess, but that's the you. red pill. That that that's the red pill, right? That that's the football brain. Um, Shanahan can make it work with just about anybody, right? They drafted Brock Purdy last year uh, with the last pick and the last round, and. He took that team farther than anyone expected them to. On the flip side of that, the blue pill, maybe Brock Purdy just isn't that good, right? Maybe he's not good enough to play quarterback for the Niners. Simon, 
you're you're eating this up right now, so I'll go ahead and kick it to you first. Where do you stand? I'm just gonna clip that part. That's maybe he's just not that good, and that's just gonna be like I don't know my ringtone or something. I don't know. Nobody <laughs> uses ringtones anymore. Anyways, so I've long said the whole anyone can play quarterback for Kyle Shanahan, but then I went back and looked. Is it more just that Jimmy Garoppolo can play quarterback for Kyle Shanahan? Because when Jimmy G plays, other than, you know, that first year where he was hurt, the, the, the three years he's been fully healthy playing for Shanahan, he's basically been a top 10 quarterback by advanced metrics. But let's look at those two seasons that Nick Mullins was essentially the full-time starter for. I think he had eight games started in both of those seasons. And he was mid to late 20s in everything. He was just bad. And the team was bad. Shanahan has three losing seasons in his six years with the 49ers. And I'm not saying that makes him a bad coach, but it makes him a very rigid and specific coach. And I think we know that he only wants to have this certain type of quarterback. That's why, you know, you mentioned Mac Jones earlier and how good of a fit he would have been. It's why Shanahan wanted Mac Jones in that draft and he got outvoted or, or got his mind changed or whatever. Um, but the point is that Nick Mullins, who is much more similar to Jimmy G in that stay-in-the-pocket point-and-shoot type quarterback than Brock Purdy is, did not have success with Shanahan, right? So now let's talk about Brock Purdy, who he is. He'll do that stuff, but he likes to be a guns gunslinger. He likes to get out of the pocket and try and make some plays, even though he doesn't quite have the arm for it. Um and oh, by the way, he's coming off of an elbow interview where he's still on on a snap limit in in practice and training camp. And then we're talking of Sam Darnold and in, in all through training camp, calling him Steve Young. And we've got Trey Lance still in the mix. I'm not really sold that this offense is going to be at the height that we've seen it at because we've only seen Jimmy G do it for Shanahan over these six years. Um We've obviously seen guys do it under Shanahan in the past when he's been an offensive coordinator, but that's a long time ago, and that's a different era, and that's a different offense that Shanahan was running at those points. This offense, if it's going to be successful, is going to be that because of coaching and because of the offensive weapons. Even with Jimmy G last year, this team was basically a, an average offense until Christian McCaffrey came on board which, by the way, was a couple games before Jimmy G got hurt. So it wasn't all Brock Purdy that made the magic. It was Christian McCaffrey and the multitude of spots that he can play and the multitude of offenses you can show and run through him and Debo and George Kittle and all those guys. So I do think this could be a slightly down year for the Niners and for their offense. And if the question is, is Brock Purdy good or is it just Shanahan and everything else? Then, you know, I'm going to lean. It, it's been about Shanahan to this point. So so for this exercise, and I made it a little confusing there at the end, but this exercise here, this question is, is Brock Purdy good enough to essentially make this happen, to be the guy? I'm going to say no, especially this year. I'm going to take the uh, blue pill, and I'm going to say it's not going to work out, and, you know, he might play and start six, seven, eight games, and then we might see Darnold for a couple games. We might see Lance for a game or two. I don't think it's going to go the way Purdy Heads think it's going to go. Ben, what what are your thoughts on all that? There's so much there. I I want to eat both pills, to be honest. I really do. I This is the first one where I just wanted to gobble them both up. 
You don't you don't want to know what happens when you do that, Ben. It's it's, <laughs> it's it ain't a good okay. trip, man. You don't want to. Do we that. won't go down that route then. So let me pick the red pill. Anyone can play QB for Shanahan, and let me I'll qualify it here in a second. But listen, I've got the 49ers as a strong strong chance to just win the Super Bowl straight up, and I'm not a pretty believer, so I kind of have to take the red pill uh, just based on that. But you know, part of that is hey, they got a top heavy roster, and Shanahan is so good at scheming. And at game prep, he just is. Uh, you know, I don't think that these guys are great at drafting necessarily. I'm not convinced of that. But, you know, what I would say if I was Kyle Shanahan's general manager is you are limiting yourself by some of these quarterbacks that you want to take and work with. And then on top of that, pay for the past several seasons. You're limiting. Can you imagine what Shanahan would do with, I don't know, let's take, uh, you know, let's take uh, Kenny Pickett from the Steelers. You know, if he had a cheap quarterback for five years, and let's say Pickett take let's take say Pickett takes a step up to just average quarterback this year, like I think he will. Um, can you imagine what they could do with that money that they're already doing now, and with average quarterback play with Kenny Pickett? So Simon, I'm with you. I actually think they're going to play all three guys this year, and I don't know that that's not to their benefit. I mean, you know, one week you get Lance out there for for a little bit of you know stuff that nobody's ever seen before, and then Sam Darnold, I think, is probably the best thrower out of the group. Some of the passes he throws are just good, sharp arrows and darts everywhere. And then Purdy probably seems to have the most it factor as far as just being able to, hey, I'm going to make a play here. We're going to win this game, by golly, even if I'm not a great passer. So I, I've i got them as a chance to win the Super Bowl. If I was his GM, I'd be telling him to get, get a real quarterback in there and let's try some – let's see how good you can be with that. But I'll take the red pill here. Anyone can play QB for Shanahan. Roll I Ben, I'm gonna have to agree with you. Um, I, I think, I, I think anyone can win with Shanahan, or any quarterback can win with Shanahan. Uh, I, I think any of the three quarterbacks that they have, I think the 49ers can go out there and have success with. Uh, Trey Lance, uh, I'm gonna kind of go off the beaten path just because you guys have hammered home uh, both points really well. Uh, but just the Trey Lance uh, experiment has been. Very, very interesting, right? Because, Simon, as you mentioned, uh, it, it seemed like Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, right? He wanted that just pocket quarterback that didn't do too much. And then it looked like G- management, uh, whoever, the higher-ups, wanted Lance. And they w- ended up going Lance, right? The athlete with the big arm and the project. And it, it just has not worked out yet. Um, the, you even look at the preseason game from a couple days ago. Uh, he just he did not look sharp. He looked frazzled. He didn't look confident. And then you on the flip side, you look at a guy like Sam Darnold who went out there and uh, he he made a couple of big throws. Um, I, I'm very interested to see how this 49ers team does this year. Ben, I, I'm kind of I, I'm a little bit lower on the 49ers than you, but I don't think it's going to be a, a significant drop off from last year. I think they have one of the better rosters in the NFL. So with that being said, I'm going to have to go with the red pill because that defense is too good, right? I don't think the quarterback has to put up an insane amount of points. Um, And I think we very well could see all three quarterbacks. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit of Sam Darnold, see if we can have a little revitalization to his career. But we also have to realize, guys, that Brock Purdy right now, he's, he's QB1. Uh, I believe it was just said today, mm-hmm. he's QB1. Even with the injuries, even with uh, the fact that Trey Lance was 
traded up for to be taken, uh, even though Sam Darnold was a first-round pick. Brock Purdy is QB1 as we speak uh, right now, Ben. But I'll go ahead and kick it to you if you want to uh, add on to it, the 49ers talk. By all means, go ahead. But if not, go ahead and uh, hit us with your next prompt. Let's go ahead and move on into the next one, the Jaguars, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Blue Pill, Red Pill. So the Blue Pill, the offseason brain, suggests that the Jaguars are ready to compete behind another leap from quarterback Trevor Lawrence, that this is really going to be kind of another step up for them. Uh, the Red Pill, the real football, football brain, says the defense was 26th in DVOA last year, 30th through the air, so uh, maybe not quite so fast. Uh, Ronan, you get first shot. I'm going to have to take the red pill here, Ben. Um, I was all aboard the draft Brian Branch train uh, in the first round this year for Jacksonville. I was in love with the idea of Jacksonville upgrading their secondary, and they didn't really tend to it like I hoped they would. Uh, and I get it because they approached the off season a little bit differently than maybe all three of us would have, but that defense last year was not very good. You said it yourself, uh, 26th in DVOA, 30th through the air. It just was not a good deal. Um, now, on the flip side of that, right, they made the playoffs. So I I don't know what the leap from making the playoffs is other than, you know, an AFC championship type of deal. Do I think statistically they can make a jump? Yeah, I, I do. But I, I as – far as a team goes i don't see them making it much farther than where they went last year simon uh where do you stand on the subject because they did bring in a guy by the name of calvin ridley to catch some passes from trevor lawrence oh yeah and i can't wait for that this is going to be a fantastic offense i think lawrence is going to be incredible all that said yeah i don't see this defense being all that much better it would take some significant second year leaps from some guys you know we we would need to see Trayvon Walker just like emerge as a real double digit sack type of player we would need to see that defensive backfield really start to make some plays and they were better the second half of the year right when when they moved Darius Williams to the outside and Trey Herndon started playing in the slot instead that really did help the defensive backfield Tyson Campbell looks poised to be like a pro bowl level corner here in year three I think uh for for the Jaguars um so I think they very much could get better, but how much better can they really get, right? Even if everybody takes a step forward, we're talking like 18th, 17th best defense in the NFL, maybe at most, right? Which is good. And yeah, might maybe gets them to the divisional round and maybe the luck of the football hits them the right way and they get in the conference championship game. But their defense isn't going to be good enough to beat two of Cincy, Buffalo, Kansas City. Uh, of course, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. But I think truly analyzing this, trying to figure out who this team is for this season, as of right now, I don't see a path to them truly, truly competing this year. So I'm going to take the red pill as well. Ben, what do you think? I'm red pill as well. Um, I, the defense is going to have its moments this year where it struggles. I think the offensive line, too, still, at least for the first half of the season, mm -hmm is not going to be all locked in and ready to go. Maybe by the second half of the year, they kind of get it all locked in place and just humming. So, you know, then you look at how good the AFC is. We keep mentioning it. So I 
I figure Jacksonville wins the division. I, I kind of have them pulling away with it without too much trouble. But, man, when you're talking about taking that next step, I think Lawrence takes another step. But unless yeah. Lawrence and Peterson together can just work some magic, I'm not quite ready yet for the Jacksonville Jaguars to just take that next step as a team like you talked about. Because, I mean, there's so many other teams out there that not only have this much hope, but, man, the roster just doesn't seem to have that many holes in a lot of places. I think Jacksonville still does. So I'm looking at Jacksonville for 2024, even though I think they'll have a good year in 23. All right, what's next? Is it my turn or is it uh, somebody else's? Yeah, who did bring up the Jaguars? Ronan, did you bring up the Jaguars or was that No, ben? sir. All right, that was Ben. Okay. And you know what? You know what's getting in the way? I, I hear that. I hear that ringing again, guys. I hear that. It's those ads. Those ads are back. All right, we'll be we'll we'll be back, everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Brandon Tim here telling you all to listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a podcast giving you the insights to help you win your fantasy football leagues. Together, we will look at everything fantasy football, from the platforms we use to navigating weekly player projections. Listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a Box Score Network podcast. We'll see you at the next episode. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robert Zenvire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Box Score Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter at Odds on Favorite and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, we made it out. We got we got past those ads. I think we have enough time for one more round before they get us for good. So I'm going to kick us off here with something that's really just been bugging me, guys, and I need I need some help here. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, because up until last week, we were so set on, listen, man, everyone's chilling in Arizona. Kyler, you take the year, you rest up, you get healthy, we're going to trade you, we're going to get the first overall pick, we'll take Caleb Williams, we'll get you somewhere, we'll get a second rounder for you. Everybody is going to be happy. What have we been hearing out of training camp for the last week or so? Kyler's engaged. He's being a leader. The staff loves him. The front office is impressed. The team is responding to him. Everything's going well. Could he be back this season? What What are we thinking? Week six? Week seven? What could the Cardinals look like at that point? Man, what could they be? What are we doing here, guys? What is happening? This roster, first off, even if Kyler comes back at week six, go great. You're at an 0-6 hole. Like that, okay, what are you what is gonna happen at that point? Um, blue pill is it's what we've been saying all all season. This team has set up the tank. They're going to get the first pick. Kyler's on his way out, but the red pill, which I think is fitting for this type of thing, because you've got a Patriots, you know, we'll get into all that, but the, the red pill is what if Kyler comes back this season and he's healthy and he's their guy, Ben, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm torn on this, and the part I'm torn on is I felt all along that there was a very good chance Kyler comes back this year because even if the team didn't want him to, it's obvious they're tanking. I mean, I I can't not do that part of it. But even if the team didn't want him to, he's going to want to come back. He doesn't want to sit out the season and try to prove himself next year. He wants to get back as quick as he can. So I'm 
I'm 100% convinced that, that he wants to come back. I'm fairly convinced he'll come back this year. What I don't know and nobody knows is, will he be any good this year? Will still, he still kind of be rusty? It takes a while to come back from this stuff. We've seen it from the best players in the world. Even if you do come back, it just takes a while to get ready. So I, I'm going to take red pill only for this reason. I still think there's a chance Kyler comes back and plays good enough to where they're like, you know what, we've already got him under contract. Let's just move on. Um, now, there's no question while I say that, they are tanking <laughs> and they're thinking about a quarterback because you don't tank for a wide receiver or an offensive lineman or a CB. You tank for a quarterback. So I think the Cardinals still are leaving their options open. I don't think they've shut the door on Kyler. Um, there's no question about it. But I, I will take the red pill because I do think there's a chance if Kyler comes back. And he gets maybe, let's say he looks bad the first two months, but in December he's flying around again and he looks good and everybody's in love with him again. Uh, that is a chance. I likely know, but still, that's the way the question is phrased, so that's what I'll take it. Guys, it, it, it wasn't too long ago when Kyler was taking Arizona to the playoffs, okay? Um, now, can he really help the fact that the front office put a below-average team around him last year? No, he can't. Um, he can't help the fact that he – uh, got hurt last year either right uh the cardinals they listened to who we wanted listened right because we don't know if that actually was what he wanted yeah yeah exactly uh but they quote unquote listened to who he wanted in the draft right so i'm i'm pulling for the side of they're sticking with kyler right ben you said it they're already paying them there are so many other holes to patch up on that team um now obviously bringing in a rookie deal to you know maybe jump start that whole franchise rebuild would not hurt especially if you're bringing in a guy like Caleb Williams now do I think they should be doing the whole Caleb Williams route yeah but I don't necessarily know if that's what they're going to be doing um they've got a new regime right in the front office they got a new head coach I don't think they want to turn over and roll over and get what the first pick in the, I mean, they're probably going to get the first pick in the draft anyway, but I, I don't think that's the goal. I don't think their goal is to to stink and you know, ship Kyler out. Um, so I'm going to go with the red pill, Simon. I, I, I feel like I know where you're going with this, but just know you're outnumbered. I know this is, <laughs> Guys, this hurts a lot. This hurts a lot. But everything is set up for you guys to be right. You get a, a Patriots front office person in, right? You get you get Jonathan Gannon, who by all accounts – well, first off, he's a defensive coordinator, right? So those guys typically end up being the like, okay, let's grind it out. Let's be good on defense. And when you're that, you're typically around an average team at worst. They're trying – They're the whole thing about what they're doing this training camp and this offseason since these guys have been hired is – bringing in a real culture players have talked about like, wow, people care now if we're late for meetings, people care about like, if we're watching film, that wasn't happening. People, they, they care about what practice reps look like and about how scouting is handled. Like there there's real time and care and effort put into this. Gannon's being touted as this like uh, kind of weird and goofy, but like teacher, like fundamental, like really cares about the nitty gritty stuff. And I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted. I'm gonna hang on to this blue pill as tight as I can, man. I don't want to live in the world where we're gonna do this song and dance for another year, even if 
see off-season podcaster brain next year is thinking you keep Kyler. Let's say you get the first or second pick. We talked about Washington earlier. If Washington has the, the fifth pick, how much could you get, right? Trading back to five and taking uh, whoever that top tackle is. I think there's one out of uh, Penn State or something or one of the Michigan alignment. Or can you trade back to three and get Marvin Harrison Jr. and get an extra first rounder for someone wanting Caleb Williams, right? Yeah, that that all sounds interesting. I'll be into the blue pill next year. But right now, man, I'm just like, just go get Caleb Williams. Just go. Just stop it. Just, just do it. And also – I don't want to see Kyler Murray rush back for whatever this team is going to be. Um, obviously, and I think we all feel this way. All of this is dependent on what his health is truly like. We could be saying all this stuff, and, and maybe this is just everybody coming together and saying, hey, let's put on a good face. Let's make it sound good so the trade is good, and you can go to a good team that really wants you, and we can get good draft picks, and we can revitalize your image, but – uh, dude take your time and maybe kyler just never is healthy enough to actually play and none of this actually matters but i'm gonna live and die by this blue pill on this one man because i just can't when i look at the rest of this roster i can't see the world where you are so bad you can get caleb williams and you pass up on that i just can't i can't so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna stay here in this blue pill um even though i i sadly agree with basically everything you guys just said ronan Take us to your uh, final topic of the evening. Yes, I mean, I think we're going to go to Dallas um, because there's a guy by the name of Mike McCarthy, Big Mike, as they call him. And is that what they, is that what they call? Do they? Do yeah, that? I think so. I'm pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure it's Big Mike. Pretty <laughs> sure Big Mike is his uh, formal nickname. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he's taken over as a play caller for Dallas's offense this coming year. They let go of. Kellen Moore, he's now in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And there are definitely those who are taking the blue pill and believe that this decision, letting Mike McCarthy call the offense, is a horrible decision. Um, He's just not necessarily qualified for it. He hasn't had success in years past. Not a big fan. The red pill on the flip side... um, the Cowboys roster is pretty dang good, and they have 24 wins in two years. They might just be fine. Uh, that That's what the red pill uh, consumer would be thinking in this scenario. Ben, it's, it's we've been talking about Big Mike, Mike McCarthy, for a couple months now here on the pod. What do you think? First of all, I think both statements are true, okay? I do think Mike McCarthy taking over the offense in Dallas is a – Horrible move, big risk, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, with an even better roster and 24-year twins in two years, they'll be fine. All right, but what's the overwhelming vector analysis there? I'm going to take the red pill, and that is they have a good roster, 24 wins in two years. They will be fine. But part of that is I didn't expect the Cowboys, even if they had kept their old offensive coordinator, I didn't expect the Cowboys to be at the top of the list for Super Bowl contenders anyway. I still had them back there in the dark horse category. And so I, I don't know that they're just automatically going to fall apart as a team now that McCarthy is taking over the offense. Say he may cost them a game at some point. He, he'll make a goofball decision at some point. But he was already the head coach. It's not like he's new to it. So I think if they kept him over the next three years, which is a big if, I think that's when you would start to see the effect going down. But for one season, 
I didn't have them as a top Super Bowl team anyway. I still had them as a dark horse. That's still kind of about where I've got them just because of the talent there. So I'll take the red pill. They're going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of games. Simon? They're going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of games. But, man, this was not the right move, man. This was not the right move. I'm sticking to my guns on this one. This is a blue pill all the way. They won't lose 10 games or anything. But this offense and Kellen Moore was not the problem with this team last year and hasn't been for years. In the years that Dak has been healthy and Kellen Moore has been the offensive coordinator in Dallas, they have been second in offensive DVOA in 2019, sixth in 2021, and last year they were 15th. Let's look into why they were 15th last year, what that drop-off was. Dak had the most interceptions of his career and led the league in interceptions. As I said during the season, if you go watch half of those interceptions, half of them are – if you go watch those interceptions, half of them are balls that his receivers tipped up into the air. And uh, interceptions are so lucky, so luck-dependent for both sides that it, – and it's not talked about enough. And, and yeah, there there's obviously – when you talk about a defensive back, there's – Great plays to be made. It's not about that. For for a quarterback, yeah, you can definitely put the ball in bad situations, and that's why you can throw interceptions for sure. But whether or not the defensive player comes up with the ball and possession changes is a roll of the dice. It's completely based on luck. Um, and that's the only reason that this DVOA number is so far down. And by the way, they, he led the league in interceptions, and they were still an average offense. Like That's incredible. You don't get that most of the time. Kellamore is not the reason that this team hasn't had the playoff success. This team was missing an additional receiver or two. This team was missing a little bit more depth at cornerback last year. This team was missing a true identity in what they were going to do with their run game. This team was missing some health on the offensive line. All that stuff as of right now looks to be fixed. Brandon Cooks is a huge upgrade over you know, what was supposed to be James Washington last year, ended up being Noah Brown. Um you know, Stephon Gilmore severely adds to the depth of that cornerback room. Tony Pollard is your prime running back now. I, I still have my issues with that. But uh, you know what your identity is as an offense. And now you're going to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to get rid of the offensive coordinator who's essentially put a top 10 offense together whenever my quarterback is healthy. That That's just the wrong move. And it, it might not hurt them in week two. It might not hurt them in week 15. But when the playoffs roll around... And Big Mike, I guess, as we're calling him, has to call offense and challenge a play and handle timeouts. It's not going to work out, guys. It's it's going to go wrong. And I, I ultimately, I think him being in charge of calling the plays is ultimately what kind of shoots them in the foot this season. So I'm going to go with the blue pill, Ronan, be the tiebreaker. You know, Simon. To be honest with you, I had the red pill down, right? But I think I'm going to have to go with the blue pill because, okay, I love the Cowboys roster. Um, I, I think in terms of the NFC, I think it goes Eagles, 49ers, and Cowboys at the moment. Um, I, I think those are the top three dogs in the NFC. I, I, I'm I going to have to agree with you, Simon. Um, I have written down that I think the coaching errors will pop up in the bigger scenarios and – all in all, that's when it matters the most. And you taking the 
entire thing into perspective here. Um, Mike McCarthy taking over the offense in Dallas being a horrible move. You know, if that's truly what I believe that those problems are going to pop up in the biggest situations, I think I have to go with the blue pill here. Um, like I said, I love the Cowboys roster, um, adding Gilmore, adding Cooks, already with Diggs and CD and Tony Pollard and that offensive line. I'm not the biggest on Dak. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to go blue pill here, Simon. I, I think you convinced me. Thank you very much for that. You're, you're welcome. That's why I'm here. Ben, you want to go ahead and uh, hit us with our last one? All right, let's do the last one. So red pill, blue pill. The blue pill is at the Green Bay Packers. The Packers' new young offense will be impressive and is really fun. Or the red pill, this many young guys can't produce well early, and the Packers are in trouble. Uh, Simon, I'll let you start it, man. I'm taking the blue pill all day, guys. I I can't wait. Now here's and here's the here's the coaching style, the red pill style argument for the blue pill. This isn't a rookie that we're talking about taking snaps back there for the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love has been on this team in the meetings at practice with Lafleur behind Rodgers for years now. You know. Uh, years is you know maybe a little little strong what is it it's been two he's going into year three right now but you get the point um is that right no this is third year this is third year 2020 he was inactive those years um makes it even worse but anyways he's been around this isn't a rookie walking in trying to figure things out okay this offensive line isn't a bunch of young guys this is a veteran offensive line with real options and real game day experience um these running backs are veterans right this, and this is it's predicated a lot on what the running backs can do in this offense and even the top two pass catchers on this team christian watson and romeo dobbs while they are only second year players they got a lot of work in last year two they were two of only 16 rookies that were skill position players that took at least 500 offensive snaps last season that's pretty significant. Those guys are have, have been through it. They've seen things. They've they've played in real NFL games at real NFL speed and action. This isn't your typical young, young team that it's a bunch of rookies and second-year guys all thrown together. This is a high-level veteran head coach with a great offensive mind. This is a quarterback that has been around the team and around the league and around this coach for years. A, a spine of the offense that's been together and has some experience and young skilled wide receivers that have been in the league and have had snaps and have played in games. Um, So, and mostly just because it's not my team and I don't have to rely on my mental health and happiness coming from them being successful. I can't wait to watch them. So I'm going blue pill in the most ultimate uh, off season brain that can be. And it's because it doesn't matter if if they're not actually that good for me. So I'm going blue pill here. Ronan, what do you think? I'm right there with you, Simon. I'm taking the blue pill, pill as well. I've been all aboard the Jordan Love hype train uh, since he you know, was coming into the draft. And I'm not about to hop off that train as the season's about to start. Um, he's got the arm. He's got the experience now, I think. Right. He sat behind Rodgers, like you've mentioned. He's had a coach like LaFleur to be in his ear and hopefully, you know, kind of groom him. He's been around vets. He's been around young guys. 
that offensive line isn't a slouch. I- I'm excited to see how Jordan Love looks this year, just guys. Um, yeah, that, that's just where I'm going to leave it at, Ben. I, I what what's your stance on it? I, I'm on the other end. I'm on the red pill. Um, probably what? the extreme, to be honest. Yeah. So to begin with, I even coming through draft, I was never on the Jordan Love hype train. Um, even having watched what limited playtime he's got, which hasn't been much, um, granted, I, I didn't see anything that made me just jump up and down and think, yeah, that's the future right there. When I look at the Packers' uh, financial moves this offseason with Jordan Love, I didn't see them putting a lot of confidence in him. They look like they've created an escape patch. So I, you know, I, I wonder about that. When you look at the fact that they were willing to draft a quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers because they were kind of tired of some of the shenanigans, and then decided to put up with the Aaron Rodgers shenanigans for a couple more seasons. I also can't believe that they're super thrilled with Jordan Love. Um, I'm just not there uh, from everything I've seen. Now, listen, do I think Jordan Love is going to come in and be bad? I don't. I think he'll be okay. But when I look at that offense, the offensive line is decent. It's not going to necessarily push people around, but it's decent. It's good, solid offensive line. I, I forget where I, what I have number 12, I think, Simon. So good, but – I. I still question their pass blocking to a degree. Um, those those wide receivers, I love Christian Watson. I'm not yet convinced that Dobbs is just this automatic walking step number two. I think he contributes. I'm, I'm just not sure defense has spent a lot of time worrying about him. So when I look at all of that put together, when I look at the fact that Aaron Rodgers had a very similar offense last year and it didn't do a whole lot, to be honest, that makes me worry. Um, when I look at the schedule, the schedule I put together every time has the Packers losing a lot of games. I, I just don't see it. But but really what drives that is when I saw Jordan Love at college and through the draft, I wasn't excited. So that's a bias that I carry with me all the way through everything else. So, you know, if Love picks it up a little bit, then, yeah, some you know everything else said could be true. But I'm red pill on here. Uh, I, I don't think the Packers have, have a big season myself. We did it. We did it. We had everything. Uh, the final tally. Blue pills taken. Simon eight, Ronan seven, Ben four. I am just living in the land of blissfully ignorant. Now listen, wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill you guys to get it, but when they put that steak in front of me and that, I forget if he had wine or beer, whatever you drink. <laughs> I mean, I mean the steak, man. I don't, I, I'm not eating that that oatmeal mush that they're eating. I'm taking the steak. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't hurt you guys for it, but I'm, I'm taking the steak all day. Are you guys surprised <laughs> by the final tally at all? Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I know Ronan. Look, Ronan had a big lead on the on the blue pills. I was really hoping Ben would pick the thirteenth, the odd, the odd group out because I would have had one more red, and I knew I knew Ronan was blue. <laughs> so that was that was the final straw. Um, all right, guys, look, this was a fun way for us to kind of transition our brains and the listeners' brains, hopefully, from off season mode to regular season mode. We have a lot of fun preview stuff coming up the rest of the month. But is there anything else you guys want to uh, get off your chest here before we get out of here? All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we've enjoyed it. The, mm-hmm. it. Great episode tonight. I love the creativity. And, yeah, I thought as much uh, off-season things as I love to focus on, I figured I'd be the uh, blue pill leader. 
Look at that. See, we're you're you're all ready. You're ready for the season as we are. So make sure you all are back listening to the Stat Sheet Podcast every Tuesday. We'll have all your coverage needs leading up to and through the regular season. Make sure you're following the Stat Sheet Podcast on Twitter at Stat Sheet Pod. Make sure you're following Box Score Network on Twitter at B Score Network. Check out all the shows on Box Score Network and make sure you're back here next week. Uh, we thank you. Have a great night. Talk to you then.